so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Now with less advertising than Sky Sports IndyCar coverage, it's Motorsport 101! Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 181 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. And uh, whew, we have an absolutely stacked weekend of audio podcasting to get through. And why does my mic come across as scratchy now as soon as Cam fucking puts it in the Discord? Wait, Every goddamn time. It, it, it literally just stopped as you were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one for the blooper reel. <laughs> That never happens. It's, it's, it's like it happens for 10 seconds, someone points it to my attention and it magically fixes up. My mic is a troll. <laughs> it, it's better than IMS Productions. So. That's a really high bar given what happened this past Sunday. <laughs> Might even keep that in, who knows. But uh, I'm Andre Harrison, welcome to episode 181 of Motorsport 101. And uh, again, it, this is a pretty heaped uh, set of recordings because... Uh, we're doubling up over the next two days, ladies and gentlemen. We are, This is going to be a double taping week. Um, this is going to be, I like to call it the cleanup episode, where we basically take care of all the other motorsport mainstream series that we took place over this past weekend, i.e. IndyCar, i.e. Formula Re in Hong Kong, and MotoGP season opener in Qatar. And, well, after that, tomorrow we have an enormous... Uh, basically, F1 season preview for 2019, where everyone convinces me to go back on the Ferrari narcotic for two hours tomorrow. Fun times for all involved. We will try to get both of them out by the end of the week, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, this is episode 181 or 182 for editors' sake. I'm sure RJ will put an extra note in there at the top. <laughs> but uh, with me, as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yep, I'm happy to be here and not banned from Madison Square Garden because I just told the owner to sell the team. Oh, God. Are you still alive, King? Still alive, somehow, somehow. Dolan's not sent out his security on you yet, no? I don't know. I bet he has as many security guards as the Knicks have wins. 13. That seems seems like a generous count last time I checked. (laughs) And from Nashville, Tennessee, oh no, his homeboy won a race this this past weekend, that's probably not going to help. It's RJ O'Connell, ladies and gentlemen. You know, (laughs) I wish I lived in Nashville. Sadly, I'm just two hours down the road, but you know what? It's adjacent (laughs) enough. We made it. We made it back to the top of the mountain, as if we had never left. (laughs) Missing tooth and all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Also, Nick Foles is signing with the Jags. Oof. Congratulations, they now have half a quarterback. Um, but, but uh, oh, God, yeah. I'd I just like to point out as well, after last week's show, the only man who picked Joseph Newgarden to win the championship, and he's already started off with a W. So, um, humble brag to the British guy in the corner, everybody. Go me. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. As I mentioned on the show last week, um, if he win- if he ends up winning the title, that's fine. I'm still satisfied either way. 
Listen, listen, if it makes everybody feel better in the Motorsport 101 IndyCar Fantasy League, which is now a thing, which you should all be joining right now. Join our Fanatex. Fantasy League! Join our Fantasy League. I'm sure I'll probably throw it, throw in another t-shirt. Or hey, maybe even a video game of your choice, whoever wins the league this year. That's my official... Who doesn't love a good video game? So, um, yeah, keep an eye on that. Um, hey, if, if, if it makes you feel any better... Uh, out of everyone in the league who's joined that actually saved their picks and had a score, I was stone dead last this weekend. So, um, yeah, humble brag for everybody else, I guess. Uh, you I, know, was, so- I was fourth because I had a real good weekend, but only three of my drivers scored points. Don't pick Hunter Ray, kids. No, it's no, not I a good my, idea. I picked my boy, the two-time defending champion of the race, Sebastian Bourdais. Even worse idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was second from the bottom, and the only guy that was scored lower than me was uh, Callum, a.k.a. a can of Iron Brew. I'm sure many of you know him on Twitter. Um, he didn't lock his picks and scored zero. Uh, everybody else, I was effectively stone dead last. So, uh, yeah, Hunter Ray is banned for the season now, like, officially. I'm not picking Hunter Ray again this year. He has let me down one too many times. I'm sorry, Henry, it's just a thing that happens. Um, but also, this, this seems like a good time to introduce our guest. Uh, once again, back for the IndyCar segment, and then off to make lunch, most likely. Um, Christopher the Harday, hello, sir. Oi. What a uh, what a weekend. It was fun being at St. Petersburg, but really, it's all thanks to my former co-worker, Christian Rizzo, and his wife, Nicole. Thank them so much for allowing me to stay here these last you know few days. It's been awesome. The track was great. It was hot, which was really a welcome change, considering I've seen snow constantly, and it was great to see actual sunshine for a change. <laughs> yeah, so he's coming to the future home of uh, next year's WrestleMania, which I hope Shane McMahon will do a jump off of the top of the boat at Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and, yep, that's not a baseball in the sea. That is Shane McMahon. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a great idea. Like... One, one last big ballsy Shane stunt for the record books. Sounds great. General housekeeping for you to get out of the way. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, at RJ O'Connell, and at C the Holiday. If you want to follow Chris on there, don't forget to check out Chris's YouTube channel as well. Same name. Um, again, for all some extra interviews and all the juicy stuff that came out of St. Pete. And I'm sure there'll be more to come. Well, aren't you going to be in Zebring as well, Chris? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. St. Pete, Sebring, and then Circuit of the Americas for the uh, IndyCar race out there. So I'm on the road for two and a half weeks. Man, man is truly hitchhiking his way around America. It's great. Um, so, that, that, so yeah, check out Chris if you haven't already, if you want some more juicy IndyCar stories and videos and all that good stuff. Um, if, and if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Um, again, $5 gets you access to this show. Um, $10 gets you early access to our Discord server as well, where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Shout out to Stephen Cam for listening in as always. And $15 gets you a free t-shirt. So uh, again, lots of levels to back yourself at. And let's be real, occasionally I slip in the odd episode for just a buck. So, you know, that's always a fun time involved. Um, and all that good stuff. So yeah. Fun times. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, oh, and what a way to check everything out on our website, motorsport101.com. There'll be another Drake the Races article regarding the pretty epic MotoGP racing catalog, which we'll talk about more at the end of the show. That'll be up probably by the time this goes out. I'm already about 60% of the way through it, so most likely it'll be up in the next, you know, well, by the time this goes out anyway, <laughs> it'll, it'll be up. So, yeah. Fun times. Um, after this quick musical interview, we'll be back and we will talk about IndyCar's season opener, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. We're keeping that in. Um, <laughs> just because. We'll stick it in at the end. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> Very good. Oh, boy. So, IndyCar 2019, after a six-month wait, we we finally had the IndyCar season opener at St. Petersburg. And, uh, I mean, where do we even start on this one, RJ? Because, like, whew, the Nashville native got the W in the end, but how we got there was certainly intriguing. A lot of rookies, a lot of standout early performances and the tv feed went down so that was fun <laughs> right and you can uh you can really credit uh joseph newgarden's win um the key uh turning point was the second set of newgarden's race uh where he basically just ran longer than everybody else the average lap uh, pit window was about 30 to 35 laps it was a three-stop race uh newgarden stretches middle stint out to 37 laps so by the time he uh pitted for fuel and tires on lap 55 uh, he came out ahead of all the front runners on a new set of alternate tires while everybody else was on the harder primary tires. He led the last 59 of the final 60 laps. And Joseph Newgarden has started the season off with a W. Hashtag Tennessee stand up. Hashtag we did this. Hashtag reclaim the one. This should be coming out of my camp, not yours, Mr. I picked Alex Rossi to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think you get to claim the hashtag anymore after turning your back at him for the sake for the sake of an M101 ball prediction, RJ. The jury's out as far as I'm concerned. No, 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 no. He's still mine. No, it's still it's it's still a thing. Just just you know, traitor, traitor. I say. Listen, I mean, I'm I'm here for all 22 of my faves. The Rebecca James handbook of supporting favorite riders and drivers, uh, but uh, but uh, St. Pete. I mean, let's get one of the big surprises out of the way. Like the rookies in general, I think were very impressive. But it's hard not to point out Felix Rosencrest's weekend um, as 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 one that stood out the most. I mean, making the far six on debut in qualifying. I think was it third he qualified in the end? He ended up um, qualifying third. He was originally set to be bumped out from Q2, but a the theme of qualifying was that both Ganassi drivers caught some really lucky breaks. Uh, in the case mm. of Felix Rosenquist, it was going to be Colton Herta that went to the fat sits, and then he got penalized for impeding Charlie Kimball on accident, just as Scott Ditson got in because Takuma Sato impeded somebody in Q1. Yeah, like, like I mean, Chip Ganassi, sometimes like he would rather be lucky than good. So yeah, two big breaks that both promoted a, a Ganassi racer into the preceding into the following round afterwards, basically. And yeah, Felix took a, took full advantage of of one more uh, session to run and ended up sticking it third on the grid. And 
Heck, you know, got up to second off the opening start. Willpower booted it off the line. A brilliant launch from him um, to get two or three climbs by turn one. Uh, Felix given our RHR a little love tap to take second into turn one. And, hey, after, a, after an early caution came out, Felix sent it on Willpower and took the lead of the race. So, uh, um, was anybody else getting some Robert Wickens flashbacks from that for a second there? Oh, I certainly well, uh -oh. was. At that point in time, I thought, yeah, he's going to win this race. Ultimately, it doesn't work out because, again, the strategy didn't fall in his favor he comes in the pits and effectively loses the lead as Joseph Newgarden just overcuts everybody. But he drove exceptionally well. Uh, he, he pretty much lost the race in the pits through no fault of his or the team's own. Yeah, just uh, was just slightly out-strategized out by Penske on this one. He was in a dogfight with Will Power for the lead. Power went for the one-lap undercut on Felix. And uh, when Felix came out of the pits a lap later, he was very narrowly squeezed out on exit. Power got the jump on him by two car lengths, and that was enough, really, to, for Power to take control of the race. But in the meantime, because Power got caught up in traffic... Newgarden went deep in his first in about five laps later, and then by the time Power got past the traffic, Newgarden had come out ahead, and Newgarden pretty much dominated the entire second half of the race um, to get to, to basically seal the W in the end. A second Although, half of the race we didn't get to see all of. Yes, the the TV feed went down. I think for a good 12, 13 minutes. Um, NBC itself had technical problems. I, I think Jim, I think Jason Paul put it up there in some in one of these chats on our Discord earlier, talking about how I think a couple of transponders overheated, uh, basically, and that that led to the the feed going down for, um, for a good 15, 20 minutes. And well, that was the first time it's ever happened when NBC's covered an IndyCar race. So of yeah. course, it happens of, on, of course, on, it would happen on the first day of their exclusive contract. Of course. As Cam points out in the background, don't forget the heat. Um, <laughs> you know, Honda sure didn't. <laughs> oh, I think. Do we need to jump ahead in the set list? Because, oh boy. Well, um, King, you said you went, you were hoping for Sebastian Bourdais to go for the three peat. Yeah, it seemed like everything was going to turn out so well, but the race started. His engine goes out. Uh. Sebor they tries a free peat, his engine blows out, and a couple of laps later, Hunter Ray's blows out. I it mean, blew up. Yeah, like it, it was a proper like early two thousands F one V ten blowout. Like oh boy. Yeah, the like, um funny enough, the uh, Dale Quinn Racing press release afterwards, non team related issue ends Borde's Saint Pete race. To put it politely. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And it was at that moment that most of F1 slash IndyCar Twitter was thinking, hmm, I bet Fernando Alonso is very glad that he signed on with Chevrolet this time out. That would be implying that Sky Sports F1 viewers would actually be bothered to make the jump and watch an IndyCar race. Ah, <laughs> yes. And if they did, they would be treated to tons and tons of unglorious adverts with no side-by-side. -side. Areas Even of opportunity. Even more ads than NBC. <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't pretty. I mean, okay, this is not totally on Sky Sports F1. Again, they're carrying somebody else's feed, and of course, when they when NBC had their hiccups, there was nothing Sky could do but run backups and run commercials, basically, just to fill the time out. Not entirely their fault, but on the same... On the other side of the coin here, 
Unfortunately, Sky Sports F1 also um, played their own adverts during Green Flag running, and it wasn't the same ad breaks that NBC was running. So when NBC went to commercial, Sky had to go to commercial as well. So Sky were basically running extra ads during the race, which... Which, I mean, IndyCar gets enough flack sometimes for commercial footage during a race when it's on live. Um, and basically, Sky F1 doubling down on that is not going to help anybody. Now, like I said, it's, this, this, this one is not totally on them, but uh, you didn't help. Not It's not a good first impression for, for given that there was a lot of people out there in this country that was genuinely excited um, that they were able to um, pick up this coverage. I mean, it's great coverage on paper. Getting NBC's feed for qualifying and the race, it's great. Um, it's great to have F1 and IndyCar in one home, per se. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the, as Cam points out, one up in the Americans on more than just government dysfunction. Um, <laughs> thanks a lot, Cam. Uh, you know, red, white, and blue Blexit and all that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it wasn't ideal, to say the least, and hopefully they'll improve. I mean, when BT Sport had their coverage of IndyCar in this country, if there was a commercial, they would generally have their own commentators fit in for a couple of minutes at a time until NBC's or, or ABC's feed would come back. Um, so that you never missed any of the action. It was it was always fully live, and it, when it was on, it was just you wouldn't get the you wouldn't necessarily get the commentary feed you wanted all the way through, which the Americans don't get either. So, you know, it goes on and on. But hopefully, Sky would improve for the circuit in the Americas in three weeks, in well, three two weeks time, I should say. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's my broadcasting roundup there for you on this one. But uh, also, we have to give a shout out to Scott Dixon because Dixon. You know, never really looked like he was going to win this race uh, as the qualifying went on, but then of course he finds a way to finish in second, only a handful of seconds off New Garden with a late surge at the end as well. Yeah, um, Mar- he, yeah, he, the two leaders got held up behind Marco Andretti uh, for a bit of time, and it looked like Scott Ditson was going to get make a move on him, and then they cleared lap traffic and Joseph checked out. Uh, but can we give a shout out to Scott Ditson's pass around the outside of Turn Four during the middle stages of the race? Hot stuff. You don't pass there. You don't pass there, and yet he did. Indeed. Dixon finds a way. Very impressive stuff. Shout out to Will Power. I think that was his eighth St. Petersburg pole position, I think, in 10 years. Something something crazy. And the 55th of his career, which now puts him 12 behind Mario Andretti. Still insanely quick round one lap of St. Pete. Just completely fearless. Third place in the end for Will Power on this one. Just wasn't his day in terms of pit strategy and uh, yellow flags. Um, yeah, 8 out of 10 as Cam confirms in the Discord for Power in terms of appearances at St. Pete and pole positions earned. Pretty pretty nuts, if you ask me. Um, and We've got to go. We've got to run now. Some, it, it was a good day for the rookies. A really good day for the rookies, mostly. Um, the Rosenquest, as we mentioned... First trip out, fourth place finish for him. Superb result from Felix, and exactly why Chip hired him. Robin Miller, you can't see it back here, is probably super excited that Felix has finally justified all that hype he's put into him for the last two or three years now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Felix in fourth, and, you know, Colton Herter. I mean, again, you know, unlucky not to make the fast six, and then eighth place on the day from him. 
Yeah. Great drive from Colton. He was solidly in the top ten. I spoke with our with our friend and host emeritus Zoe Hamilton uh, before the race, and she had told me that she expected big things out of Colton, and as it turns out, they delivered. Again, the situation in Harding-Steinbrenner racing before the start of the season, not so great, but Colton Hurt is a really good driver, and this was more of an indication of what you will see. And again, he doesn't turn 19, but for a couple more days. Balmy. Balmy stuff. And uh, everyone's favorite American on the, on the land of F1 racing Twitter, Santino Ferrucci, followed him through in ninth place From as well. From 23rd on the grid with his own visor cam and his chrome car. Oh. Impressive. Showing people you have to separate emotion when you're looking at statistics. Like it or not, uh. any other driver, it, a lot of people would have said, oh, good job. But let's face it, he got the car home in one piece. He did his job well. But what we should also look at is in 10th place, Jack Harvey, his first top 10 finish in Meyer Shank Racing 7th race as a group with Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. And they qualified 7th! Yep. Basingham awesome. represents! He was running ahead of James for most of the race. <laughs> also, I've been obligated to point out that, that Jack Harvey is half Scottish, and, and uh, this was pointed out to me by, to me pointed out to me by one Zoe Hamilton that pointed that out. So uh, <laughs> I feel contractually obligated to mention that apparently now Scotland is claiming Jack Harvey. So Scott in <laughs> That's the how this works now. Apparently so. So a Scott in the top ten for the first time since Dario Franchitti. Hey, who? It all counts, right? And if I may say this, I talked to. Uh... Jack after the race and what he said was what's remarkable is that he and Michael both think the same way they have the same expectations that they would have if they were a full time team even if they're only running 10 races the first race that Jack will miss this year is in Detroit but I mean hey if they are running high up in the points you may see them at more races I mean logic would dictate but I also talked to Michael after the race and they said you know what would be smart is let's just do what we're doing now let's build up more for 2020 and to be honest with you I really like that approach they're doing a good thing now don't screw it up indeed very strong performances there from from the rookies across the border I mean even Ben Hanley was running up he qualified 12th that was a solid job from yeah. Ben Hanley for the Dragon Speed car as well that's definitely also worth a mention race didn't quite work out with 18th in the end from him yeah. but and a couple of laps down I'll, but, I'll yeah, add, I'll add a little bit of context to it they had weeks to prepare their car they had been mm. pretty much one of the slowest cars if not the slowest car throughout practice them getting into Q2 was a bit of the luck of the draw because the first half of Q1 was was a bit of a shit show but they got in the top 12 and they finished their first race with weeks of preparation oh yeah should i should i also remind you that ben hanley raced carts with Max verstappen after racing in formula renault 3.5 in the mid 2000s <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, good job from Ben Hanley in the Dragon Speed car. Again, in in not ideal circumstances at all, um, they're able to to find a way to get it done. Uh, and yeah, they'll only get better from here. So uh, an impressive effort um, on 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 debut for the Dragon Speed boys. Um, let's run down the result real quick, and we'll t we'll, t we'll tackle some little extra mini stories as we run down the field. As mentioned, Joseph Newgarden taking his first career win at St. Pete um, by just 2.8 seconds. And Scott Dixon in the end in second. Will Power rounds off the, off the podium in third. Felix Rosenquest in fourth in the end. Again, incredible effort on, on debut 
for the driver for hire himself. Alex Rossi in, in fifth place. Quiet day for Alex, but again, good points, good result there, good for the championship. Followed in by the mayor of Hinch, town himself, James Hinchcliffe, in sixth for SPM. Good day for him. He held off Simon Pagano at the end of the race. They finished pretty much side by side. Pagano unable to find the way through. Um, third out of the three Penske's again, Simon. Eh, not ideal. Um, Colton Herter in 8th, Santino Ferrucci 9th, Jack Harvey 10th, ahead of Spencer Piggott. He was the last man on the lead lap. Poor Graham Rahum in 12th. The St. Pete stash did not work in the end. He finished a lap down. Much like Ryan King, he is no longer mustached. <laughs> and me calling him Graham Rahum was on purpose, Cam. But, uh, but uh, King, we, like you, you put it on Discord. Like What was going on with that stash? What possessed you think that was a good idea? No comment. I like. I like to say it was a recommendation from a notable F one YouTuber who who's never been on this show. And who was this? Uh, let's just say he put out a really long season review at the end of last year. Ah. May I petition that that is the uh, background photo for the uh, promotional image for this um, podcast? <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Look, yes. Look, if we look, if if Dre had to sit through his his beaming face being memed, much to his displeasure for a solid month, I think that's fair game at this point. Why? Mr. You used my face for Operation Holodray, yeah? And yet, yeah, the porn stash has to be kept under wraps, Ryan Jeremy. That, that's, yeah? that's, that's not a porn stash. That's like the mustache of like a fucking 1970s New York Yankee slugger. People are going to look at the cover of the episode and just question everything. Yeah, how did we get to this point? You'll have to listen. Just throw some Yankee pinstripes and some oversized goggles and a batting helmet on him. You think, damn, Ryan King's hitting awesome. It sits in the line. <laughs> <laughs> or he's he, he's basically one of the rebooted offices in, in a reboot of Starsky and Hutch. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've I all. This kind of points out right. I have saved the picture. No! Yes! Delicious. <laughs> Chris, Chris the Hardy doing the Lord's work, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yes. So, uh, thankfully, both Graham and King are now stashless for the greater good. Marco Adretti in 13th place ahead of Zach Featured, 14th. Very quiet day of him. That's actually quite a surprise. Um, Tony Kanan in 15th ahead of Max Chilton. Uh, slightly above average Kimball has been downgraded again due to a 17th place finish just on, on, on this occasion. Bad luck, Charlie. Um, ben Hanley, the last of the finishers in... 18th place in the newly debuting Dragon Speed team. Oh, 19th. I almost want to bring back the old catchphrase, Takuma Sato. Not uh, mechanical now, Sato's car. Yeah, electrical fault put him out of the race on lap 76. Marcus Ericsson on his IndyCar debut. Yet more bad mechanical gremlins from him. He didn't finish in the number 7 car either on lap 55. Um, Ed Jones slammed it into the wall on lap 26. And actually fractured his wrist in the process. A nasty crash from Jones there on, on, the, outs on the outside of turn 9 there. Just punted it straight in the wall. And unfortunately, um, Matthias Leist could 
did not see it coming, clipped the rear tyre of Jones, and he went barreling into the wall as well. A nasty accident. Thankfully, both drivers relatively okay um, on that one, but uh, a nasty crash. They put them both out in 21st and 22nd. And, of course, as mentioned earlier, the two previous blow-ups, Ryan Hunter, Ray, and Sebastian Bourdais, both suffering Honda-related power failure. Won't be the first time you'll be hearing that this season, most likely. Hey, Max, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Have a good one with that Honda engine and that Red Bull of yours. So, of course, I'm not going to go down a championship run now because that would be a bit silly. We all know New Garden's on top, ahead of Dixon and Power. But, uh, whew, I, I mean, this... <sighs> St. Pete has this knack of, like, like managing the hype. In the sense of, like, the hype was a little too strong. St. Pete's probably not the best track in the world for a differently display what IndyCar is capable of. But it was, it was you know, I'd say par score for an IndyCar race on this one. It was, uh, it toned down a little bit in the second half, but the first half was pretty fun. Yeah. Was that fair I, to say Yeah, first? I thought this was pretty much your bot standard IndyCar street race. It wasn't the worst. It wasn't the best. It had its moments where it's fun. It had moments where it's lulled out. Um, I think the weirdest thing was, of course, the TV going out. Yeah, of course. Oh. Yeah, that, that that was a bummer. It was a bummer for everybody involved. Again, it just happens every once in a while. Um, so, you know, it is one of those things. Yeah. But uh, hopefully... A, hopefully, Yeah, we... Uh, yeah, well, I do hope it gets better as well. I mean, you're right. Um, we also had a full support ticket. Indeed we did. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, pressing matters, like the fact that one of our fan favorites on the show, uh, who is Canadian, uh, he, he's, he's slimmed down a bit. Not in terms of stature, but in terms of his nomenclature. He is no longer Zachary Clackery DeMacri. He is just Zachary Clackery without DeMacri. And he won the first... Yeah, and he, uh, and he got the, uh, the, the hat trick at the first race in St. Petersburg. Pole position, fastest lap, wins the first race. Oliver Askew, one of our uh, preseason picks for the title contender, he took pole position but got wiped out in a wreck early in the second race, and that promoted Renus VK to take the win in the second race in just his second career start at the level. So now in Indy Lights, it is Clayman ahead of VK, ahead of Tobri Sowery, who was probably the surprise of the weekend, comes in on a one-weekend deal with sponsorship from a certain energy drink company that shall remain lameless because they won't pay us. Mm -hmm. Yes, and he finishes second and third in his two races. Good job for Toby Sowery because BN Racing only got that car from Team Pelfrey the week before. They just, Dale Pelfrey wanted to have his yellow car runner on the track and said, hey, BN, y'all want to run it? Sure. So they got the car the week before the Homestead test. They fixed it up, prepped it, and then uh, Toby comes out, gets a second and a third in the weekend. It was a great run for him. Last year he ran the um, Indy Pro 2000 weekend at road america sorry diane i'm not going to put any money more, more money in the swear jar um if in a second for bn racing both times did a great job then and i would love to see him do more indie light stuff but gt racing is his priority for the moment but i'd love to see what it can do um if he can come on back we'd love to see you back toby you did a good job and bring some cans of rich energy while you're there <laughs> Please, please, just, if you have to smuggle it, smuggle it. I just, we just need to know what it tastes like. And on the subject of the artist formerly known as Pro Mazda, um, Kyle Kirkwood 
did not win any races. He was the first retirement in race one. He finished second in race two. Parker Thompson, showing up not guaranteed to be passed this weekend, swept both the races from pole position, and then went in the commentary booth for some of the other Road to Indy events. That was a good performance. Kirkwood with Kirkwood uh, was really, really not looking forward to getting second place in the second race because, you know, he needed to get first place to keep this championship, you know, going better on the right foot. Parker, with only a one-race one race weekend deal, doesn't have any guarantees for the month of May coming up here, so Kirkwood really needed to maximize his points. But I tell you what, Parker Thompson really, really, really had a massive boost of confidence getting that first win. He had a win slip away from this place in 2017 in race two for USF 2000, and it was great to see him actually finally pull off the W given the fact that he doesn't have anything guaranteed past this weekend. And also, he's driving for Able Motorsports, the same team Kirkwood drove for in F3 Americas last year when he whooped on the field pretty badly. So good job for Parker Thompson, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be great to see him in the month of May if he's able to get the budget together. And then USF 2000 brought us some silliness. Uh, the first race, Frenchman Alexander Baron uh, decides to test the limits of real-life crash physics when his car does a full-on barrel roll and lands on both of its wheels. He just launches over the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, he, he does a full barrel roll, and he just lands on it. Now, of course, the car is completely junked by this point. Um, of course, glad that Alex got out of that okay. But the second race might have been even sillier. Because Darren Keane and Christian Rasmussen were running nose to tail on the final corner, the final lap of the second race. And then Keane spins out. Then Rasmussen clips him and spins out too. And Braden Eves goes on to sweep the weekend. Wow. Yeah, Keane was in... uh was obviously uh, ticked off at himself for what happened there. Um, I mean, how could he not be led like 22 out of 25 laps? Um, but yeah, looking at the footage really closely, because I was wondering if Rasmussen had tagged him. Nope. Looking at it zoomed in, Keen lost it all on his own. So yeah, bad luck for Keen, but he's in a good team and he'll be back for when they come back to the month of May. And of course, every one of these ladders, USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, Indy Lights, and of course, the IndyCar Series, We'll be back in a fortnight's time at Circuit of the Americas for the IndyCar Classic. Texas, baby! Ah, uh, Circuit of the Americas. Can't wait. That's that's going to be awesome. And I uh, can't wait to see how the cars turn out around there. You know, seen overtaking attempts and, you know, how the track plays out. I'm very, very intrigued by all of that. So really can't wait for the Circuit of the Americas on this one. Um, that should be a fun one indeed. I think we're just about done with everything indie car related on this occasion. Yeah. And uh, yeah, quick musical interview. We'll be back with some of the news. And then after that, the Formula E E-Prix in Hong Kong. Okay, I, I kind of half lied on this one. There's a couple more IndyCar things to get through here in the news section. Yeah. It's purely coincidence. Honest. Should have uh, looked at the set list. Just glance at it. 
I was too busy concentrated on this show and my microphone and my delicious accent, apparently. <laughs> Um and for, well, you know you know what it was, Ron. I was too busy focusing on your glorious mustache. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like honestly, like going about that for just a second. Then didn't you look like 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 whenever Top Gear does a police segment, he looks like like <laughs> someone's literally glued a mustache onto his face. It's Let, amazing. Let's move on. <laughs> no, let's not. It's like a thinner Carl let's Winslow. Not... I know, right? Or anything, anything needs to say now is like, what are you talking about, Willis? And he's, and he's, and he's got it covered now. <laughs> but uh, a couple more IndyCar bits of news to get through, at least. Delightful news as well to hear that the one, the only, Robert Wickens was back in the paddock at St. Pete. Um, you know, wheelchair-bound and whatnot, but of course just smiling, interviewing, doing time with the media, you know, autograph sessions with fans. Um, you know, made a real, real effort to they see everybody. They were so excited and, to see him that Robert needed to tell everybody, please, please don't come up behind me and touch me. My back is still very, very sore. Bless him. And again, he wasn't even all that mad about it. And uh, just listen, guys, you know, my back's a bit sore, which is more than understandable. I think it's, I think it's one of those easy things you're going to, you're going to overlook or forget um, with Robert because, I mean, let's be real, we're all really excited just to see him back and it's easy to lose sight of the little things like that. So I can understand why. I'm beginning Robert's had to quickly point out, listen, the back's probably not the best idea. Um, but again, delightful to see him back and he's made it quite clear he wants to get back in a race car, make no mistake, which is fantastic news to hear and... Oh, again, just just delighted, delighted to hear that it's just, just to see him back there where he belongs in a paddock, hopefully in a race car. Absolutely. Um, go watch and listen to his interview with NBC's Kelly Stavis, uh that was aired before the race, and and props to NBCSN as well. You know, for handling the the crash that put him in that situation tastefully. You only needed to show it once. Focus more on his recovery, which you know, you know, seeing him, hearing his confidence. Again, I don't want to bet the house on it, but if he gets back into a race car anytime soon, oh my goodness. There will not be a dry eye in the grandstands or most places watching on television anywhere. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that one. Um, keep fighting, Robert. We're all behind you. Um, it, we had to put a late disclaimer on this at last week's episode. Thanks, RJ, for filling in on that one. I was, no I, I was, to, I was about to send, I was about to send one off myself, but then I took care of that one for me. Um, at the time of recording last week, in case you missed last week's show... We didn't have this news confirmed until the day after we recorded because, you know, that's what us pseudo-journalists do. We record a show based on news and then more news comes out the day after we finish taping. Sod's law. Um, but Patricio Award is going to be back on the IndyCar grid this year and he's going to be signing up with a 13-race deal with Carlin. So Yes. Oh. So he gets all the races that Charlie Kimball isn't going to drive and Carlin's going to give him a third car for the Indianapolis 500, which is, of course, one of the races on his scholarship deal. And, you know, he didn't finish all that well, but Charlie Kimball qualified well. And yeah, if that's seven. a barometer of what Charlie Kimball could do in that car with a clearly improving Carlin team, I am excited to see what Patricio can do once he gets in the car at Austin. And let's not forget, uh, Trevor Carlin said at the news conference, Colton Herta beat Landon Norris on occasion. Pato Award beat Colton Herta. Pato Award is as good as Lando Norris, and Lando Norris right now is in Formula One. So, what does that tell you about Pato and what he thinks of him? Oh yeah, 
I know playing playing racing driver math can be a uh, can be a, can be a dangerous game sometimes, but we don't we don't need any more convincing on 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 Panama Awards talent. We all know it's there, and all we need all he needed was the opportunity. And this is a big big opportunity for Panama Award. Cardin's a good improving team. They proved last year they can run with the big boys um, if the right cards are laid on the table, and you know. If if Padova Wall can channel some of that talent, then there's no doubt in my mind he'll be in the, the top ten on a semi regular basis. Yeah. I mean that's a very very, um, very very cool deal. Great to see Padova Wall back on the grid because he, he deserved to be there after after his exceptional IndyCars um, Indy Light season last season for sure. Right, and as well uh, we should give mention to RC Anderson who was in the frame up to that point, uh, tested mm. well with Carlin. I I would hope and. You know, with his talent and his hard work for 2019, I, I hope he'll be back on the grid at some point because he's too good a driver not to be. Yeah, it's a shame he's he's uh, something's been sacrificed for this opportunity. I mean, I I, I get it in that sense. Uh, it's a shame that uh, someone has to lose out on situations like that. But yeah, again, I hope I hope it's not the end of the line for R.C. Edison because again, he was only, he was nothing but solid when he was um, racing over there in IndyCar. Um, a couple of years ago from Mid-Ohio onwards. And yeah, there's no reason why he can't be on the grid. Just again, hope the opportunity lands for him. Hang on, folks. It's that time of year again. It's it's like it's way number 714 that AJ Foyt has managed to avoid death. Um, well, <laughs> I have the article in front of me. Uh, it was posted on motorsport.com by David Mulsher. And it is... It is... It is... Uh, his brush with death number one fourteen and oh. number one fifteen. <laughs> oh, good! I, I miscounted. Clearly, it's a double feature. <laughs> a, a double, a double feature. It's like double. how, how Foyt dodged death twice in a day. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Uh, quote from AJ Foyt. A couple of weeks ago, I was going to get my dozer, move a tree, and another guy said, "I'll do it for you, AJ." I, I said, <laughs> "Okay," because I was doing some other stuff. Then I saw that bees attacked him. I was in another tractor with a closed cab, and I saw him chasing him. He was slapping at him and going backwards to get away. And I thought, man, I'm glad I didn't get in that one. <laughs> he got oh stung pretty God. good. His face was swollen, and he got a black eye. He was lucky they were, they were honeybees, not killer bees, because he could get away from them. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. People don't realize this. It doesn't take very many bee stings to kill a guy. Like only about, <laughs> especially a man like, who has already had heart surgery in his in his mid eighties. Right, like like he's eighty seven now, isn't he? He is, 80, he is eighty four, and he still 84. farms his own land. And he went on to describe another recent incident with his bulldozer that required him to be rescued. A couple of months ago, I was digging on the edge of this pond at one of my ranches, and the dozer just slipped down, he explained. It was real muddy, and I tried to go faster to get up, and the machine just slipped further down. So I stopped before the whole thing went under. I had to have two guys help pull me out because I was in quicksand. I couldn't climb out myself, and I lost a shoe. <laughs> Name a more iconic duo than A.J. Foyt and his bulldozer. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> What, what what is it with AJ Foyt and getting himself in a pickle? This is like this it, it, is like the Dukes of Hazard, but for real. It's it's. it's... I'm wondering what's going to oh. happen next. Boy, that <laughs> that Foyt man's going to get himself in some real trouble. Let's see how he gets out of this one. <laughs> right, like 
Oh dear, oh dear. If there was, but if like, there was like video it, of that, can we get Ozymand to review it? Oh, oh god, god, yeah. Yes, please. If, like, I, I want Ozymand to review everything. I want him to review King Stash at this point. Oh no. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Stop mentioning uh, no, no, never gonna happen. Um, no, <laughs> I, I want Let's the Aussie see. man Aussie take man on at gmail.com. Yep, so, sounds good. We're getting one of those long form videos he does these days. That that's that sounds like a plan. You just go, oh crikey, look at that stash on him. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. Man. Oh <laughs> you know who doesn't have a mustache? Well, well Sebastian Oje. <laughs> um, he won rally. I thought, you were gonna, I, I thought you were going to say Ryan King for a second there, because that's Sebastian clearly not true. OJ. <laughs> yeah, he... It was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Responded with White Tanek, uh winning and taking maximum power stage points at Sweden by winning and taking maximum power stage point in Mexico, which now puts him four points back of Tanek after three rounds. <laughs> and I got one last IndyCar story to talk about, also posted... David Malsher to Motorsport.com. Uh, Mark Miles has confirmed that the series is in talks about having a race in Argentina. And if you are a longtime listener to Bike Live, you know the circuit in Argentina. It's not the one you think it is. It's uh, Circuito San Juan Villacum, the home of the Argentina, the, the Argentine round of the World Superbike Championship. Hey, that's a great track. Like, if anyone saw that that was Superbike round in Argentina last year, like that was brilliant. Also, Chris, please tell me you're not joking in what you just put in the Discord. I am server. absolutely not joking. I have sent the email to OzzyManReviews at gmail.com with King's mustache. <laughs> I love today. This is this is the best episode ever. <laughs> Oh dear, T- today's a good day. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, like that Argentina, the, the, the other Argentina racetrack we all know about from Aussie Bikes, great track. You will love it. It's well worth watching. <laughs> the cat just put in the Discord as well. Shag Mary Kill has been surpassed. I, I don't know. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. That, that was a legendary segment, Cam. You know, like. Kelly listens to it at least once a week. It's still it's still that funny, apparently. <laughs> oh man, uh, we, we we have to, we we have to go with that as, as the thumbnail now for posterity's sake. Um, we might call it like King's Legacy. Well, there's the name of the episode instead. <laughs> oh man. Uh, t- <laughs> he actually has sent the email. He wasn't joking. Chris has put the Chris has put the image in our Discord. <laughs> this, this is get, this is getting way out of hand. <laughs> oh, oh my! King, if sorry, it, King. If it makes you feel any better, at least you're not James Dolan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's that's something to look up to. <laughs> oh, King. Oh, King, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, so, like, like Top Gear King, if you have a weakness on this show, you die. Like, that, like that's how this works. <laughs> I don't know, man. Richard Hammond's tried a couple of times. <laughs> Richard Hammond... Hammond is too busy cheating death most of the time. <laughs> and going out for ice creams. <coughs> Who'd have thought it? Not phallic at all, kids. Not phallic at all. Should we have King talk about Formula E to get us back in line?
Yes, yes, yes. Formula E. <laughs> it's been it's been, it's been a long time for Formula E. It, it really kind of blindsided me that the past weekend's race in Hong Kong was the 50th e <laughs> That came around quick. Holy shit. Like, we've had 50 of these already? Yeah, and this one was the one that was almost called off due to torrential downpour leading up to this. Oh, yeah. Shocking. Yes. Um, friend of the show, Hazel Southwell, um, was there with all the videos, and uh, it looked like we weren't going to even get this one in. Yeah, it was torrential downpour for most of the weekend, um, heavily affected qualifying session. Um we did get a race in the end. We we, we found like the like half like we found like the one hour pocket window where it didn't piss down with rain in Hong Kong over the course of the weekend. And uh, ugh, where do we even start with this one, King? Because uh, boy, this one was a lot. Oh, where where do we start? Where do we start? I think we start off with qualifying. Just just start off with the guy who's in pole position. Just just. Just don't think about it too much when I say the poll winner's name, because his name was Stoffel Van Dorn Excellent. from HWA huh? Race Finally. Lab. Finally, something huh? good happens for Stoffel Van Dorn. <laughs> well, remember that. It becomes important later. Wait, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know when I say that catchphrase, it's not normally good things that happen afterwards. But I would never do such a thing as to ruin Stoffel's big day, would we? Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> never, not in a million years. But uh, after all the hardship and plight of HWA season so far, it looks like the car certainly has some pace in it, at least, because Stoffel stuck it on pole ahead of Nissan Edam's driver Oliver Rowland joining them on the front row with Adora Mortara third, Lotterer Paffitt, and Grassi making the Super Pole six. Um, in the end, but um, King, I, I, like, I've got something to report here. I, I, I don't see Stoffel anywhere on the results screen. What happened? Uh, well, uh, I, I'd like to say that you know, the rookie front row, they had a great day, but um, that did not happen. Yeah. What happened? Oh God. Well. First, let's let's talk about Oliver Rowland first. Uh, yeah. Oliver Roland, Roland jumped Van Dorn at the start, and he led most of the early pack of this race, and then his rear axle broke. Yeah, it looked like he was going to get an easy win, but, um... So, early in the race, there was a red flag, because there was a, an accident where uh, Felipe Nazar uh, lost control of his car, and with nowhere to go... Both Mahindra cars of Jerome D'Ambrosio and Pascal Veriline went right into the side of Felipe Nasser. That's championship Ugh. leader Jerome D'Ambrosio. <laughs> yeah, so you can bust out your favorite NASCAR catchphrase, championship implications. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Can Mahindra catch a break, please, for Christ's sake? <laughs> like, so, so uh, this, this triggered a red flag in the race. And... Mm. Uh, in the turn one, a hairpin. Uh, Sam Bird, this will become important later, Sam Bird would make contact with Oliver Rowland. And after the contact, uh, pretty much uh, 
the contact was caused because Oliver Rowland accidentally pushed his full course yellow button, slowing, like, it's a speed limiter button, so it slowed down his car, and Bird went right into the back of him, pretty much ending Rowland's race because, yeah, his axe was gone. Oh. God damn it, Roland. <laughs> that is brutal. Oh, man. Don't put your finger anywhere near the speed limiter button when you're at full racing speed. So, God damn it. Roland would try to continue on, but obviously he was forced to stop and it triggered her safety car. And that pretty much, well, before I talk about the rest of the race. Stoffel. <laughs> I, I can't I can't avoid it any longer. It's too painful. <laughs> Here we were, lamenting that his Formula One career had not panned out after two seasons, hoping like hope that maybe there would be a chance he would get back in through this HWA Mercedes pseudo deal and him being a Mercedes simulator driver in reserve. And he finally gets on pole position. And even though he gets jumped at the start, he's hanging around the top three. And then his drive shaft breaks. Mm. And the same issue would befall his teammate, Eduardo Montero. Uh, Eduardo no. Montero. No, no, no. Gary Oh, uh, That was the previous. That was oh. the previous. I, I, I'm confusing my Mercedes cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but don't worry. It's not like the other two cars would be anywhere near the front of the field come come crunch time, right? Mm, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, so we got oh great, we got about ten minutes left to go in the race, and it looks like Andre Lauder is gonna win his first E Prix in Hong Kong. But Sam yes. Bird's been chipping away, chipping away, and chipping away. It's a narrow track, but you think somewhere there's going to be an opportunity to get there. Until? Until. You, you know what happens, Trey. When when you got the pace to pass somebody, but there just isn't the room. Sometimes, you know, Robin's racing. If you no oh, longer know the gap that exists, you are no longer a racing driver. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> So did 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 Sam give him a little uh, a little ki- like to quote Madagascar a little kiss a little smooch like you're kissing your sister? <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> Obviously, you can never tell someone's intentions. You don't know if you know Lauder will break a bit early, or maybe Sam Bird tried to you know make a slight little lunge to try to look for a little gap, but. Contact was made, and Andre Lauderer ended up with a puncture that took him out of the contention for the victory. Oh dear. So Lauderer takes an L, takes a puncher, and is effectively out of the race. Um, He would end up finishing in 14th. And Sam Bird goes on to win the Hong Kong E-Prix. Wait a minute. So... To quote horse racing, there's been a steward's inquiry. Um, <laughs> had to get that one and give it its Cheltenham Festival week. I had to get that one so, in somewhere. Before we <laughs> discuss what happened afterwards, the provisional racer result uh, had had Oliver Rowland. I mean, it had uh, obviously Oliver Rowland retire, forced to retire from the race. It had Eduardo Montera as in second, Lucas Degrassi third. With Sam Bird being the winner, uh, pretty much 
Robin Friends would have been fourth. Yeah, Robin Friends would have been fourth. But the Stewarts decided to penalize Sam Bird with a five-second time penalty, dropping him all the way down to sixth place, giving Eduardo Montero and Vonta and Venturi their first ever victory in Formula E. Cancel. This has been coming for quite some time, because Motaris had great talent in the series for quite some time, and he's never had the full race to really show it. Um, like, like wow. Um... Props to Mortara, that's a well-deserved win in the end. And props to Venturi and to Susie Wolf, who becomes the first female team principal to win a Formula E race. Yes. Which is which is awesome. Good for good for Susie. Good good for Venturi. Um they've been here from the very beginning, and I'm glad they've got a W to their name. Their first time after after literally fifty attempts, um, to say the least. Um Again, as mentioned, that that was a hefty penalty because it has taken 16 points off Sam Bird. What would have been the win for Sam ended up dropping him down to sixth place. Um, 3.3 seconds behind the winner, and yeah, what would have been 25 points ended up being just nine for him in the end. It bummed everybody else up one spot. So Dara Watara got the win uh, for Venturi in the end. Lucas Degrassi comes one further step up the podium. Champions drive from Lucas, kept his nose clean, didn't really get into any trouble, took home some good points. 18 in the end from him for Lucas. Um, and Robin Friends back on the podium for Envision. So hey, as one virgin car comes off the podium, the uh, one joins it. <laughs> swings in, swings in roundabouts. I've win is going to come for Robin sooner rather than later. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Oh god, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. The guy's more than quick enough. We've established this from day one with Robin. Um so, yeah, ever since he debuted in season two. So I, I know it's I know it's coming for him. Daniel Apt, the court jester, is back in, in high level finishes there, and he's finished four for the Audi Sport team. Felipe Massa in the top five. Is uh, both injuries having a good day? Felipe Massa. Holy P5. shit, is it two thousand and thirteen all over again? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> The good old second Ferrari in fifth place meme is back. Good good times. Sam Bird, post-penalty in uh, sixth. RJ, you know what to do for seventh. That's Mitch Evans in seventh. Free to play Mitch in seventh place there. Gary Paffett in eighth. That's a, that's a solid result for Gary Paffett in the end there. Eighth for him for the HWA oh, team. Get in there, lad. Good, good for Gary Paffett. It's just a shame it could have been so much more for for the team in general, given poor Stoffel. Oliver Turvey in ninth for the Neo team, and Antonio Felix da Costa um, rounds off the points in tenth. But hey, it's not all bad news. Stoffel still gets the three points for pole position, yeah. even though he DNF'd. In it's the something. same powertrain that won the race. <laughs> I know, it's so painful. Uh, oh. Pachito, Jose Maria Lopez in 11th, Dillman 12th, the two Tichitas in 13th and 14th. Um, not a good day for the Tichitas team in general, although they could argue half of that's not really their fault. Um, and again, the, a whopping eight DNFs. Oliver Rowland, as we mentioned earlier, Stoffel Van Dorn. What about Sebastian Buemi? And Alex Sims, Jesus. Was that, was that technical as well? There, there were a lot of, a lot of retirements. <laughs> Yeah, Vuemi uh, did not make the flag, as did Alex Sims. Felipe Nazar, as the aforementioned spin incident. Again, yeah. both Mahindras. 
Verlon and Ambrosio did not make it as well as Nelson PK Jr. on that one. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, Sims cracked the wall, according to Henry. There, so, thanks for filling me in on that one, mate. Yeah. Again, I didn't, Boemi I, had I didn't an accident. Properly. Um, and and uh, PK damaged his f- for suspension on literally the first lap. Oof. Bloody hell. Um, although... I have to say, I have I love what it's done to the championship here yes. because uh, massive championship implications. Catchphrase, catchphrase, hammer that in. We now have two points covering the top four in Formula E now. Sam Bird, despite the um the the hefty point penalty um from dropping from first to sixth, is still championship leader now. He's now jumping with fifty four points. He is one point ahead of Jerome Nambrosio, who, of course, picked up a donut for the DNF. Um, he had to go through. And now Lucas Degrassi, on 52 points, is now ahead of Adora Mortara on countback. They are both on 52 points each in third and fourth. And hey, and Felix da Costa is only five points behind them in fifth place. Frins is on 43. So, again, yeah, the top six covered by just 11 points. Pretty epic after five rounds now. Daniel Apton, 7th on 34 points. Mitch Bra, um, also on 34 points in 8th, ahead of Pascal Verlein in 9th. Another guy who's going to be sitting there thinking, God, it could have been so much more. And Andre Lotterer in 10th for the teachers. From the team standpoint as well, getting that quickly out of the way as well. Virgin now on top of the team's championship with 97 on, on, on after 24 on the day from them, despite Bird's penalty. Audi Sport back into second place with 86 points. They've passed Mahindra, who's dropped to third on 83. Um, Venturi now up into fourth after their Bonanza 35 points for the weekend. They're now on 66, one point ahead of BMW, who had just the one point in their name for the weekend. So you have Venturi making a huge step up three spots on the board into the top five ahead of BMW, TT's from 57, Panasonic Jaguar on 35, Nissan Edams. Oh, how the mighty have fallen down to eight from 21 points ahead of HWA on seven. They're off the mark. HWA are off, they're on the board, everybody. Hey. <laughs> and they're not bottom because they've overtaken Neo because Neo's only got six points ahead of the Geox. I know, okay, the Geox Dragon team, we still sadly only have two. Oh, how things change in Formula E so quickly. Um, Definitely worth a watch on this one from what I've been told. It's another classic Formula E, crazy, madcap, bonkers race. Would you expect anything less at this point? Fun times. (laughs) And the next race is in two weeks at uh, the... The Hainan, uh, uh, the Hainan Resort City of Sanya near Beijing. The city has become known as China's Florida, according to Wikipedia. Uh, it is not near Beijing. It oh. is actually far closer to Hong Kong than Beijing. It is right down the coast. Oh, yeah, so you don't even have to travel much. Either, even still, the city has become known as China's Florida. <laughs> China's mm. Florida. <laughs> I think, you, I, I, somehow I think you're the only person that calls it that, I reckon. <laughs> That's what it says on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Who edited that in? <laughs> I want names, damn it. <laughs> but uh, before we get into the final segment in MotoGP season opener in Qatar, ladies and gentlemen, it is the return of your favorite segment. You've been waiting a while for it, but it is back in delicious fashion. Welcome back to Fight Club, Fight ladies Club! and gentlemen.
Fight Club and surprise, surprise, we're going back to NASCAR again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We I know keep you're trying all trying to get away, but it keeps pulling us back <laughs> in. Like a gorgeous moustache, it just has a knack of no. sucking you back in. No. <laughs> oh dear. I still don't uh, have anything in my inbox yet. Damn it! Uh, keep us posted on this, Chris. But in the meantime, we have to talk about NASCAR again, and this was a scrappy one between Daniel Suarez, uh, IndyCar's new favorite Mexican import, and Michael McDowell. Now, is any NASCAR regulars in here able to give us some context before we get into this one? I can actually go ahead and pull that they were... This was during first-round qualifying. They do knockout qualifying in NASCAR now. And uh, Suarez was apparently upset that McDowell had impeded his fastest qualifying lap, stalking him after both were eliminated in the first session of qualifying on Friday. What happened next um, was something incredible. Gentlemen, are we ready to play the video footage? Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I, count it down I've not, then? I've not, I've not seen the full clip. Okay. You've Three. not seen the full clip. Oh god. No. I've been saving myself for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Fucking hell. Trey with the amazing comeback. I mean, Ryan. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Well played, King. Well played. You you, you earned that one. Fair play. Um, okay, so uh, we'll play the clip in three, two, one, play. And uh, there's Suarez. He's walking. He's giving it the, the big one. Arms fully aloft. Yeah, I, I should he's point wa- out that he is several inches shorter than Michael McDowell. And here we go. Yeah, he's, give, he's looking. He's, he's giving up it. He's giving me too Oh, McDonald! Oh my God! Hello! <laughs> oh, Daniel frozen to the ground. What a beauty! Oh my God! And then next, next thing, yes. next thing you know, his crew chief is grabbing Suarez by the neck, and then the, the crew chief, in very petty fashion, he's trying to pull Suarez's shoe off. I, 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 Daniel I don't understand what's going on there. Okay, he's gone for the he's gone for the shoe. I, th- there's a lot to take in here, folks. Yeah, um, that, was, that was quick. That was that was furious. It was like watching a modern UFC fight. I'm I'm, I'm going back to like the 10 second point, and I'm watching this again. Suarez comes over the wall. He's giving up in the route of Vitagen. McDowell like immediately puts his hands out, but then Suarez literally throws him to the ground. Yeah. So and, to point and, out, <laughs> McDowell is wearing his helmet and head restraint. Suarez is not. So he has no proper head protection. He is not obeying the code of ice hockey at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This... McDowell approached Suarez, knew what was going to go on, doesn't even attempt to take off his helmet. And, and McDowell in the interview afterwards claimed it was his tradition. Like, it's, it's his superstition. He keeps the helmet on. Coward. That's what I say. <laughs> We all know in, in a racing fight, you, you, you take the helmet off, then you throw hands. You don't aim for the helmet. I've said this numerous times. And then going for the shoe? Petty. <laughs> Petty. Petty. No, but we, that is like, m- literally, literally, your crew is holding him down, and you're just like, no, I'm dragging him. 
His crew chief's literally got Suarez in a chokehold pinned against McDowell's own car, and you're going for the shoe. That's all. That's all that took Daniel Suarez from putting Michael McDowell in a fucking uh, cocaine clutch, because <laughs> Daniel Suarez, a man who is giving up six to eight inches, phrasing preemptive phrasing before anybody calls it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Daniel Suarez just throws him to the ground. As Al Roker once said to at Teflon Tom, he dropped him like a bag of dirt. It's like it's like we had a fucking Ellie. It's like we had an offspring of the Gracie family just driving cars in Monterey, Mexico, because even though he is clearly the smaller man of the fight, he is able to throw Michael McDowell's weight onto the ground. It's a beautiful it's like a Sambo-esque judo throw. Ronda Rousey would have been proud of that one. I mean, wow. Um, full on tossed the man over his back, and then at that point the crew chief had had enough. And uh, I'd like to also think that Michael Bernal probably has some sort of foot fetish we don't know about, because there's no other reason to go for a man's shoe. That's just weird, quite frankly. I also want to share um, the quote that he shared with uh, with journalist mm. Jeff Gluck. Daniel Suarez said, I'm the kind of driver that I'm going to give a lot of respect to, always, if you give me respect back. If you don't give me respect, I'm going to go kick your ass. <laughs> like you have to respect any man with sideburns that thick that he is going to kick your ass in some way shape or form um yeah like apparently he chucked a man that was 35 pounds heavier than him up and over his back daniel suarez i salute you sir you get to stay you, you, you're invited to the family cookout at this point um <laughs> that's a uh, beautiful work from daniel suarez there and thank you for listening to this episode of Fight Club. Fight Club! <laughs> Fight Club. Oh, this quick not presented to you by Rich Energy. Damn it. Why can't we get a sponsor? It, like, honestly, e- even Ernie Johnson on Inside the NBA occasionally has sponsors for his Nilo Stat of the Night. Why can't we? <laughs> Although, to be fair, I could also just say in the start of Ernie, unsullied by sponsorship. Um, it's the Motorsport 101 podcast. After this quick musical break, we'll come back and we'll talk MotoGP and their season opener in Qatar. Um, MotoGP in Qatar, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, we got another classic. Um... Oh my god, this 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 was crazy, folks. I mean, wait again, again. This is another one of those where do you even start moments here? Because like Marquez put in like the all-time lap record with an FP3 and obliterated it by getting a toe off Maverick Vinales. He later himself would qualify on pole position. Um, Dovi and Marquez on the front row, separated by literally one thousandth of a second. Valentino Rossi failing to make Q2, as did Jorge Lorenzo. Um, Ducati being under fire for an illegal aero part. This is... There is a lot going on here. But um, in the end, on Sunday evening, I mean, we had another brilliant MotoGP race. Um, We we went to a MotoGP (laughs) race and a Moto3 race broke out, but with larger bikes. (laughs) It's great. You know, just your average leading group of 15 for the first half of the race. Who's counting? Oh, no right? huge deal. Jeez. No huge deal. Um, we ended up eventually, like the last six or seven laps, we had a leading group of five 
in the end, there's Mark Marquez, Andrea Davizioso, Alex Rins, Cal Crutchlow, and Valentino Rossi. Yes, Valentino from 14th on the grid had somehow been able to claw his way back up and met with the leading group, passing his teammate in the process. And we had a five-way scrap for the podium in the end. And, well, guess what happened, folks? Well, we got well yep. I just just imagine after the finish, not gonna say one, like just just someone got up at a podium in the middle of Bologna, Italy, just like Ducati faithful, uh, people of Bologna, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> you could say the mission was accomplished. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Yes, Andrea Davizioso held off Mark Marquez at the line. Dovi's second consecutive win in Qatar and in fact if you you could pretty much take an identical photo side by side and it was an identical finish to last year Marquez tries the last corner dive bomb you know then the problem with that on that corner is that you will always run wide if you break demonically late for that apex Dovi knew it was an, it was it was a carbon copy of last year Marquez goes in a little too hot Dovi comes back on the exit. It was even closer coming over the line. It was 0.023 of a second. Um, in horse racing terms, Dovi won by literally one length um, going over the line. And uh, Marquez just did not have the grunt in the Honda to pass the Ducati under the toe. Um, another brilliant, brilliant fight. Because, I mean... We, we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't mention everyone in the top five that had brilliant performances. Marquez, first race back since surgically repairing his collarbone. He was brilliant. Again, acted like he like like he would you would never have guessed he was hurt through the offseason watching him ride. Doffy had kind of been slept on pretty much for the entire weekend, and everyone reminded he's still Doffy, okay? Like Holy shit, like, he's still, like, the second best bike rider on the planet now. He's going to win these sorts of races. That's what he does. Um, shout out as well to Cal Crutchlow, who narrowly pipped Alex Rins over the line for the last spot on the podium there. Let's not forget, the last time Cal Crutchlow raced in a GP bike was 145 days ago. We all forget that he completely mangled his ankle um, at Phillip Island in practice last year. And that was his first race back since then. Um, to put it into perspective, he had to have immediate surgery on that ankle. He missed the rest of the season. He had to have a plate put in. He still only has, I think, 70% motion in that ankle. Mm. I think I remember that, seeing post uh, post injury images of that ankle and thinking this is as upsetting oh. as most ankle breaks in basketball land or football. Oh yeah, and yeah, like Cal had to take pretty much the entire off season to rehabilitate. Um, he still hasn't got full movement in that ankle. I, I think he said he's he's going to be at seventy percent now at least for a little while. He, asked, he had to change his riding style. He said straight up he had to lift his entire leg off the foot peg to break. Because he has he, that's the same ankle he breaks with, Cal. His right foot is his brake. And he had to basically relearn his riding style again because he had to lift his entire leg up in order to uh, basically continue and to be able to um, 
essentially keep going in that sense. And uh, yeah, as as Cal as Cam points out, if he, any if he if he breaks it again, he's probably gonna have to use a thumb break. Like uh, uh, Mick Doohan very similarly used a thumb break in the late nineties when he had he had leg and injury problems. And Cal was offered the chance to use one now, but he said he'd be a second a lap slower if he used it because it's just not his style to use a thumb break. Um, so for Cal to come back and, and score a podium like that. Um, brilliant performance from Cal. Maybe his finest on a MotoGP bike to date. Very, very impressive indeed. And again, the hype is real. Alex Rins is here to stay, no, people. Kidding. Rins looked like he could have won this at some points. Yeah, watched it. Yeah. Yeah, we we jo- we joked about this towards the end of Bike Live. We said the Suzuki threat was very much real if they got the concession handling right. They did. Like, uh, well, at least in the short term. Qatar's a bit of an equalizing sort of track. We'll see as we get into the European rounds. Um, but uh, Rins led several times over the course of this race. He was in the leading group all the way through. Um, what did him in was that he made a small mistake on the penultimate lap under braking, ran a little bit too hot, and it, it, it created a gap between him and the front two. Once Rins gets this together, he is going to... He, like, Suzuki is probably going to win at least a couple of rounds this year. They probably have the best chassis on the grid. Um, they were so smooth going through corners. Visibly, they looked very, very comfortable in the twisty bits. Alex Rins is going to be one to watch going forward. I have no doubt about that. Maybe even as a title contender. Um, Suzuki, that Suzuki looks dangerous. Very dangerous indeed. Um, uh, middle sectors, Rins was a monster, and we have to say, as much as as much as my personal feelings on the man will not be discussed here, Valentino Rossi. <laughs> this is the twenty fourth year Valentino Rossi has been riding Grand Prix motorcycles in some capacity. In case you aren't aware, he turned forty during the off season. Six tenths off the win, fourteenth on the grid. Finished fifth, point six off the W. Yeah, he he's dragged that Yamaha kicking and screaming, kicking like noted Valentino Rossi supporter, WWE SmackDown Women's Champion Asuka kicks. Because yes, more Maverick Vinales just he got pole position, and then he turned it into nothing. It's been the running theme of those two for the last year or so. Maverick, exceptional one lap pace. If the bike is dialed in, he can he can win and he can he can win just about anything. But uh, this wasn't one of those occasions. Had a terrible start, never really recovered. And it's, it's a fun fact: Maverick Vinales' best three laps of the race were when he was on his own in open air, trying to reel in Danilo Petrucci at the end of the race, and he would end up finishing in seventh. Maverick from pole, so. Yeah, uh, another disappointing result for Maverick. Again, could have been so much more. I mean, Valentino Rossi, again, was very honest after the race. He said straight up, guys, it's, it's the same problems as last year, basically, was what he said. Um, which is, which, which is you know, electronics, you know, exit speed. Just the same issues as last year. It looks like Yamaha still are maybe half a step behind where Honda and Ducati are. 
they, they are clearly the two best teams going forward, and Suzuki might even be better than them now, which is a, not a good sign for no. Yamaha when, when three different factories finished in front of them. Um, and yeah, both Yamaha's been split by the Petrucci in sixth place. And hey, Aprilia aren't a million miles away either. Alicia Spagaro was only nine seconds off the W in the race. He finished in the top ten. Um, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not good news for for Yamaha going forward on this one, but uh, again, a, a massive shout out to the entire top five. All five of them rode exceptional races in their own right. Um, as mentioned, Dovi beating Marquez by point zero two of a second. Um, Cal Crutchlow in third. Um, ahead of Alex Rins in fourth, Valentino Rossi fifth, the little Petrucci on his factory Ducati debut in sixth, solid ride from him. In the leading group most of the way through, just tailed off a little bit at the end, unfortunately, but uh, a, a good ride from Danilo. Um, as well. Maverick Vinales in 7th. Joanne Mir, who again, another guy in that leading group in the early going as well. Faded a little bit in the end. Just wait till Mir learns how to actually ride one of these things. That's a terrifying prospect right there in 8th place. Um, Joanne Mir, great ride from Takanakagami in ninth as well. Um, he's always gone well in, in Qatar. Another strong result from him on the on the second LCR Honda in ninth. Alicia Spagaro in 10th for Aprilia. Ahead of Frankie Morbidelli on the on Petronas, their date, their first ever MotoGP race as a factory outfit. He just lost that drag race of Alicia going over the line for 10th and 11th place. Paula Spagaro for the KTMs in 12th. Hey, King, your boys are back where they are again. Hello. You're welcome. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's got to shave the starch off after that one. Um, basically, just start over. Um, disappointingly, Jorge Lorenzo in 13th place on his Honda debut. 14 seconds off the top. I don't even think that tells um, the whole story because I, I believe he had, it a, doesn't. Uh, he had a bit of a rough one in a practice. Yeah, two crashes on Friday practice. Um, he was outside of the points for most of the race, only really picking off the guys in front of him who had really severe tyre problems towards the end. Um, Lorenzo would finish in 13th in the end. And it, like, I, it wasn't until Stefan Bradl, who's Honda's official test rider and former MotoGP racer himself, um, made a very telling point after the race where he said, you guys do realise Lorenzo has not done more than seven laps in a row on that bike until now, right? And everyone was like, ah, shit. That could be a problem. Um, Lorenzo is still, shall we say, a little green on that Honda. And uh, the second crash, in, so he had a bit, yeah, the, the second crash wasn't so bad, but the first one was a big high side um, in turn six. Had to go to the medical center for a checkup. Luckily, nothing broken or bruised. Only the ego, really, on that one. And the second one, like, he wasn't even going particularly hot, and, he didn't, and the front just completely went out from underneath him. Very bizarre for Lorenzo, a guy that's normally so smooth. So, yeah, not a great result from Jorge Lorenzo in 13th. Maybe uh, time will tell. Hell on 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 that one. Um, I have to mention this as well. Uh, Andre Ianoni in 14th and is a prettier debut. Not not too special, not too bad. But I don't know if anybody noticed this. The man crashed after the race. Yep, he did. Oh, I he, miss this. He crashed. He crashed on the. Find it on MotoGP's Instagram. Um, Andre Ianoni crashed after the flag. Um, on the cooldown lap, he uh, he he lost the front and he and he and he bailed it basically, um, which led to many more key few and jokes regarding Ian O'Neill's extracurricular activities. He's now sending perfume on the side. 
Who'd have thought it? Um, we, we Brits love that. We don't. Uh, but uh, Ian Oney, been in it after the flag. What a boy. A true maverick. Johan Zarko rounding off the points on his KTM debut in 15th place. Now, to put that into perspective, um, this was the closest top 15 in the history of MotoGP. 15.093 seconds covering all 15 points paying positions and look who's uh, just a second behind and coming like Fabio a fucking freight train <laughs> your the fastest, fastest lap winner the fastest lap winner a uh, 55-0 on lap three fabio quattararo at one point was going a second a lap faster than the others he qualified sixth on the grid on the second row and this is a guy who was on last year's yamaha believe it or not sensational speed from quattararo but sadly his bike stalled on the warm-up lap and he had to start from the pit lane as a result um so a pit lane start back up into 16th place in the end just a second off a point in the end but a stunning first ride from fabio quattararo incredibly impressive on the second patronus yamaha srt who had his very special guest in the paddock king Ooh, yes our four time well five time time. still getting used to it five time Mm -hmm. formula one world drivers champion lewis hamilton he was there as a mechanic, but he, he was he was like he he was true to his word. We, we joked about this on Bike Live our last episode, um, but yeah, he was actually there to learn. He was spending time with the mechanics. He was sitting down in driver debriefs and probably picking it up because he said it is now his new dream to ride a MotoGP bike. And well, rumors are strong that Monster might organize a car and bike swap between him and Valentino Rossi later in the year keep your eyes peeled on that because that would be pretty cool to see Rossi's got F1 car experience before and Hamilton likes his bikes so somewhere you know, somewhere out there Esteban Ocon is sweating profusely it's like oh no go <laughs> <laughs> on Lewis take up that biking thing you're a natural <laughs> no you'll really love okay. it without the traction control I promise promise <laughs> <laughs> Oh. in the bathtub. <laughs> oh, no, no. Now, like, does anyone ever remember watching Whose Line Is It Anyway? And, like, yes. the constant yes. the constant beef that Ryan Stiles had with Drew Carey making all that money to basically sit behind the desk and do nothing. I still remember that line where, like, it's scenes from a hat, and, like, Ryan Stiles comes out and he goes, just cut one break coin and you could be sitting behind that desk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Oh, dear, dear. Best of luck to Lewis on that one. That would be pretty cool. I mean, Lewis already tested with the World Superbike last year with um, the World Superbike team, Alex Lowe's and uh, Michael Vandermark. So that's uh, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, round up the rest of the quick, real quick. Miguel Oliveira in 17th. Good debut on the KTM Tech 3 um, for him. And was running in the points for the good chunk of the race. Just fell down a little bit towards the end. But uh, solid performance from him. Um, Carol Abraham in 18th on the Avintia ahead of his teammate, Tita Rabat. They again, 0.06 over the line between them. They had their own private fight. And a feast siren really struggled out there, sadly, 43 seconds off the 
the win in 20th. Three non-finishers. Banyaya had a technical problem. Jack Miller's seat actually fell off, amazingly. That's a thing to even say. Miller's seat... Miller was another guy running in the top five or six again, but his seat fell off early on and eventually had to park it. And Bradley Smith crashed with two laps to go on the third. Pretty because pretty were running three bikes that weekend. Bradley Smith, their new official test rider. Um... Sadly, they're crashed with two to go. Quick rundowns as well of Moto's two and three before we get out of town for this for, for well, I say for this week, but really it's more like twenty-four hours. But uh, Moto two, the first race of the brand new Triumph era of bikes. Um, yes, Triumph power rather than Honda power this time round. Slightly more powerful, more like 150, 160 horsepower now. Um, new chassis, new new bike to adapt to. Not so slidey, apparently. A bit more understeery. As Henry points out, beautiful sounding engines. Well worth a watch, um, just for the spectacle of their first ever um, race at full chatter. But it was Lorenzo Baldazzari who won for the HP40 team, um, the Cito Pons team, by just 0 0.026 of a second from a rampage in Thomas Luti, who was gunning him down at the end of that race on fresher tyres um, for the Dynavolt team. Yes, Thomas Luti is back in the intermediate class again, folks, for... I think it's his ninth season. If you count, in, if you in, count his three years and two fifty, this is his twelfth season at this level. Thomas Luty, the ultimate Moto Two slash two fifty gatekeeper, and still very, very fast. The, the, don't let the Moto GP year do him justice. He's an excellent bike rider, especially at that level. Luty, if anything, Luty was probably a little bit too passive on that final lap. Um, what about the fight for third the... place, though? Marcel Schroeder just two. One thousandth of a second ahead of Remy Gardner. Yes, Wayne's kid getting his best career. Wayne's kid, Wayne's kid with his best ever finish in Moto Two. He was in fourth again. I was in two thousandths of a second between him and Marcel Schrotter. Schrotter again, very fast all weekend. Just didn't have the tires at the end of the race. There again, still a learning curve for everybody in there. But Schrotter and Garner had a great ding dong scrap. Schrotter literally winning by a nose on that one over Gardner by two thousandths of a second. Just behind them, Augusto Fernandez keeping up his solid end to his debut season at the end of last year in fifth on the second HP40 bike. Sam Lowe's and his return to the intermediate class was sixth, back with his old boys at Grassini, ahead of Alex Marquez in seventh, Luca Marini eighth, and Aya Bastianini making his Moto2 debut very solid ninth place result for him for the Atoltrans team, ahead of Xavier Gay making his Mark VDS team debut. Fabio Di Giantonio for the speed-ups in 11th as well. Another rookie from Moto3 coming up. And again, a solid result from him. Brad Binder 12th. Andrea Roccatelli 13th. Fiesco Raff in 14th. And another rookie, Jorge Martin, in the Moto3 champion of last year um, in his Moto2 debut for the Red Bull KTM team in 15th place. Someone get KTM's mans. I'm not sure their Moto2 chassis are working out quite as intended so far because, uh, yeah, Cadex locked out the top 10. Bit of an alarming thought for everybody else involved. Um, yeah, sadly as well for all you Brits out there listening in, Jake Dixon, the much-hyped British Superbikes import, sadly crashed from 20th place early on. There was a lot of hype about him and that Anglietto team. Not quite this, the, the dream debut they would have wanted. Bit of history, folks, in uh, in Moto3 as well. Uh, and uh, if anyone questions the presence of the Asia Talent Cup, 
don't forget about what the end result could be because yes we had the first time ever a japanese man has won in in moto 3 is kaito toba Yes. Won his very first Grand Prix. By a considerable um, margin, by like light years, it was 0.053 seconds. But again, you have to measure that to the rest of the races that were soon to come. Yeah, like combined, the combined winning margin of all three races this weekend was a tenth of a second. The top 17 were within 4.2 seconds. <laughs> I love this shit. It's, it's, it's enough, it was another ridiculous grand prix um it's a moto free race in qatar what the hell did you expect really um kaito toba winning it in the end um my word um again another really classic race who also saw romano fanati like taking the the first ever use of the long penalty lap despite not actually being penalized oh god (laughs) The Romano Fanati hype train continues, everybody. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's that's his ways of trying to, like, just, like, I'm, I'm showing penance to, to everyone who despises me out there. Yeah, he was doing well, really well for this race, considering he came in with quite the significant wrist injury from a heavy, heavy slapping. <laughs> Yeah, heavy. Uh, yeah, like, again, for the, a lot of people seem to be confused. They're asking me like, Dre, why is Romano Fati, why is Romano Fanati in Moto Three? Disclaimer for those who've been living under a rock for the last six months: Fanati's suspension was reduced on appeal at the end of last season. It was originally quite right, a two-year ban, um, and uh, it was it was reduced to basically six months after the end of the season, which meant he could basically take the grid on the Moto3. Um, ironically, um, for the Snipers team, back in Moto3 again, um, basically giving his career really a last chance more than anything else. Um, but again, Fanati, quick pretty much all weekend, to be honest with you. So, yeah. Um, again, it's not quite the same without a little bit of Romano Fanati in there, spicing it up in some creative fashion. Gotta love it. <laughs> but... Uh, I also yeah, thought it was. Toba. I thought it was neat that Toba won on the nine-year anniversary of Shoya Tomazawa winning in in uh, Moto Two at the same track. Mm. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, Kaito Toba becoming the first Japanese man to win in Moto Three ahead of much hyped title title favorite Lorenzo Della Porta in second, and Aaron Canet um, on the podium in third. I think he's riding for Max Biaggi's new team. I'm pretty sure he is. That's pretty, it's pretty nuts as well. That we're seeing guys like Hiroshi Ayama and Max Biaggi have their own teams at this point. It's kind of scary. Uh, Marcos Ramirez fourth, Celestino Vietti in fifth, Albert Arena sixth, Raul Fernandez seventh, Nicolo Antonetti eighth, Romano Fanati ninth after unenforced penalty, and Jakob Cornfiles. We had to call him on this show now, Jumpman. <laughs> Jumpman Cornfile in 10th. Um, ahead of uh, Agura, Lopez, McPhee, Mino, and Gabby Rodrigo rounding off the points in the top 15. Shout out to our friend and yours, Lewis Sadaby, for somehow being able to tweet during that entire race. Do not ask me how he pulled that off. Yeah, so- someone get some ice for his fingers, please. Man's got carpal tunnel now at this point. Holy shit. Um, I, I don't know how he does it. But yeah. uh, also, can we have more Twilight races in Qatar, please? Because the sun setting around that track was beautiful to watch. Yeah, Lewis, say. talk to your boss's bosses for us, please. And then get some get rest. Get your mans. Get some rest and enjoy World Superbikes because that's the next major bike thing that's happening 
uh, this weekend at Buriram. Fun times. Multiple bikes back this weekend. Uh, Barry Ram, but uh, a, a fantastic weekend of MotoGP action. And again, I've got a full written review coming up um, live uh, on the Motorsport One by the time this goes out for sure. And I think we're just about done here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a, a, a fun, fast-paced episode, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, we'll be back. Well literally tomorrow to record our Formula 1 season preview and uh, that's going to be messy so uh, guys where did you hide the narcotic anyone um, I'm pretty sure it's just sitting out on the shelf I, I, I heard that shell has been trying to improve it <sighs> it's going to be a long episode tomorrow in the meantime basically you can find us one more time youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 again check out Christopher Harday's channel as well at, at Christopher the Harday search the name you'll find it facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 twitter.com well at motorsport 101 well, so underscore 101 our personal handles at Harrison 101 HD at C the Harday at Ryan Eric King at RJ O'Connell um, and of course you, know, you can check all us out on Patreon as well if you really really, really like us you know, to back us financially we're on there Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Five bucks gets you early access to this show. Ten bucks gets you into our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Thanks to Henry. Thanks to uh, to uh, Steve and Cam as well for tuning in. Their contributions is always very useful during the course of the show. Thank you for that one. As ever, fellas, much appreciated. Um, and of course, you can check out all our details and info on our website, motorsport101.com. All the archives is there. All our episodes, um, as well as written content. All our Patreon backers are on there as well now, which is a cool little extra get extra little uh, tip that you get now when you back us financially on Patreon. So thanks for everyone that's been backing us on there. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Well, later this week, technically speaking, um, <laughs> for our Formula One season preview before the big dance gets underway at Albert Park in Australia this Sunday. Until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King, RJ O'Connell, and Christopher the Harday. And until next time, see you guys later. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. See you. <laughs>